Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and I have Bruce Bud Mitch with me. Hey, Mitch, how you doing? I'm doing great. What an honor. Really oh, happy to be here. I am just so happy to hear you and, and to talk to you. Doing this on a Saturday before you go and get your day started. And we've already talked a little football, Giants fan, Cowboy fan, bonding through the magic of Bruce. <laughs> hey, brings us all together. We're one world, right? It, I mean, who would have who would have thought, I don't know, 40 years ago plus uh, when I saw my first Bruce show that one of my great Bruce friends now is is the prosecutor of Barcelona. I mean, it's just <laughs> these are these are things that you know only happen in the Bruce world, right? Do you think other musicians have this kind of following? I think it's limited. Um, I think in the back in the day there might have been more of a following, but it was just not because we didn't have this uh, the internet and and the ability to to do this every day and talk about every single second of every yeah. single show. I feel like I've morphed more into a, I don't know, I call, I call Bruce my drug of choice or right. some call it an obsession. So everyone has a different, a yeah. different title for it but, or, or my happy place. But the, the reality is that I, I find that you have to find a passion in life and whatever it is. And music has just always been for me one of my great passions. I learned how to play the piano very young. I had an older brother that got me into Jethro Tull and Zeppelin and Frank Zappa when I was 11. I had a dad who though, was not listening to the kind of music I listened to, always had music going on in the house. Might have been John Philip Sousa marches or Sinatra mm-hmm. or the comedy of Alan Sherman or, John, or Tom Lair or whatever, yeah. or, or Fiddler on the Roof soundtrack. But whatever it was, it was music. Music, you hear the expression, the soundtrack of your life. Growing up in Jersey, it's, it's hard to not have Bruce's music as the soundtrack of your life. And, and you don't realize it as much at the time as it's happening. But as you get older, as you have a family, even though I'm 11 years younger than Bruce, I can so identify with so many different stages of what he went through. I mean, we grew up very differently, a very different household. My dad yeah. and I were not having the Independence Day conversation. And, and he, you know, my dad never said that God piano right. about playing but i i understand fathers and sons being a parent and 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 he's just so accessible and i think that's part of it and that that is the real bruce i mean there's the dark bruce and there's a lot there and you read the books and you know and you you know you learn a lot of the history with his father and i think it's very sad and it it's it's very amazing that at this age, he's found the joy uh, that he's found in being able to continue to bring it night after night after night. Yes. Um, so to, I guess to answer your question, you know, I, I hope everybody has a Bruce Springsteen in their life. And it could be, you know, it may not be musical. It, it, it may be theatrical. It may be knitting. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It may be bourbon. Whatever it is, I find, especially the older I get, I'm my passions become stronger and and certainly Bruce and I'll we'll talk a little bit more why that's happened I think a little bit to me more in the last 5 years okay. but it's it's a it's a big deal and I I kind of like being identified with something so positive 
There's a lot of negative influences out there in the world right now. Yes. Um, musically as well as other other places. Right. And that's what I, I like the identification with Bruce Springsteen. You know, Mitch, we talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, but he's 66. He's been professional, gosh, 40 years. Right. And I can't think of a major scandal that's happened with him. He no. just seems to be and just. And there won't be. Yeah. There he just be. seems to be someone, he lives his life and he he cares about his family and his music and his friends and his country. And I'm not saying he doesn't have his flaws. I'm sure he does. But in as far as a musical idol, um, he's hard to beat. He is. And I think when you look over the years at, at, at all of the creative geniuses that died very young, yes. you know, the Jim Morrison's, the Joplin's, the, you know, the Hendrix and everything. And yeah. what keeps someone alive like him, like McCartney, like Jagger, and, and now like Billy Joel, which, you know, I could have predict, I, I'm so happy to see Billy back in right. a happy place. That's just, you know, Bruce has surrounded himself by good people. He has a manager who is really more of a shield than anything. You know, they're, they're as close as they could be. Uh, obviously, financially, Mr. Landau's done, done quite well over the years. But they team Bruce, so to speak. They protect him. There's really nothing out there. There's no smoking gun. I can tell you from being, I am far from an insider, from, from just different connections over the last few years, that this is, this is the guy. This is the guy. I mean, and he, and you know, this is this is a great example of Bruce Springsteen. Go every year to the Christian Ann Carr Fund thing to support Dave Marsh and Barbara Carr losing their daughter years right. ago to cancer. I, I can't imagine anything worse as a parent. I got involved going mostly because Max Weinberg uh, had Devil's tickets near me, and I got to know Max pretty well. And one day um at skate with the devil's nights when both my son and jay weinberg were in line getting uh, marty brodeur's autograph who i'm going tuesday to watch him be retired but that's separate separate passion my son says to max he says my dad wants to meet your boss i said you know I'm like oh god yeah. he says well you can and this is how and if you donate and i was i was in the industry at the time I'm still in the financial services industry working at merrill lynch Getting money to uh, go to these events was not that difficult, let's say. Okay. So I went to that event, had the opportunity to meet Bruce, get a picture with him, and, and, and learn more about that, that wonderful organization. But my point is this year I go because the Seeger Sessions are getting together. And I really only went because I become friendly with Eddie Mannion. Eddie is just one of the real nice guys out there and – you know, been seeing Southside forever and watched him throughout his career and was so excited for him to be able to be on that last tour. Yeah. And um, through a nonprofit I'm involved in, you know, work with Eddie. And I'm there and I'm talking to Eddie and Eddie's like, you know, you know Bruce is not coming. You know, certainly we didn't rehearse anything. I, you know, and he's totally, you know, serious. I'm standing yeah. there next to the stage. And there's Landau and there's, you know, Marsh and the usual suspects and Maureen and Steve's first, just a couple of songs. I just having some fun up there. I, Eddie Mannion had said that, or someone else told me that Landau said, there's no way he's going up there. He's not going up there. He's in his jacket. Sting's already left. I'm wondering, 
and I'm watching him and I can see him just getting into it and just enjoying it and, and talking to Landau right. back and forth. And then, then I see him take the jacket off and, and I'm like, this is going to be a special moment. And it, and it really wasn't planned. Yeah. It just wasn't planned. And he got up there and I was at the right place at the right time to, to see, you know, the three big Seeger session hits have their little reunion there at, at a little restaurant and be able to periscope it and, and share it with the world, which, you know, some people may not like that, that's streaming and they're not appreciative. But for me, I'm about the fans. So I just, if I'm blessed and I'm lucky to be somewhere, I want to share it with as many fans as I can. And that was just one of those moments that you can just see Bruce. Yeah. I got to get up there. And yeah. my God, he had such a good time. And Nils, who was there, um, was so happy. And then actually Nils did his own little set, which was fun. But Anyway, that's just a typical experience of, of, of a guy that I got to be up there playing. He needs to. Before they had announced they were going to tour, all of us were speculating and we're going, you know, this guy is itching to play. I mean, he's at a, he's playing at his, you know, with his brother-in-law's band. He's any, almost any show that was happening there in Jersey, he's showing up. Right. Um, you know, Mitch, I've shared this many times, but... I my first musical obsession was Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Oh. I discovered them right after high school. I graduated yeah. high school in seventy seven. How about yourself? Seventy eight. Okay, so I, I could tell we go. were close to the same age. Just was blown away by their harmonies, and it was like nothing else that I was hearing on the radio. Right. When Brian was there doing his latest touring, Bruce shows up to do a couple of songs with him on the encore. Right. Everyone has said you could have died happy that night. I said, yeah. absolutely. Forget seeing my son getting married. Forget seeing grandkids. Well, these are the moments. I'm glad you brought up Ryan Wilson because a few years ago with this organization I'm involved in called Little Kids Rock, which okay. I got involved in purely because I read one of Maureen Van Zant's tweet. Yeah. She invited me to come and I got a table and, and I've been on the board for four years and Bruce has played and it's been amazing. Nice. But, so one of the events, this is two years ago, I'm at the sound check. Brian Wilson, at the last minute, decided to come. We're honoring Darlene Love. Uh, I'm standing there at the sound check, and this guy comes over to me, and in his strong English accent, and you know, I knew within two seconds without even turning who it was because I knew he was going to be there. And, and um, I guess I can curse or whatever and say what I on this. Yeah. I mean, he just says, can you fucking believe it? Brian Wilson, unbelievable. He's so he's fucking A, man. And, you know, it's Elvis Costello, and he's standing <laughs> next to me. And Elvis was going to be performing that night. And I'm, and I'm thinking about just music in general and how, how critical. Oh, sorry. That's it's okay. Mail, it's the mailman. Yes, right, that's Brody, okay. Brody, we get mail every day. It's okay. <laughs> all right, all right. So, you know, the the, the that's it. When you can appreciate the history of the music yes. and you've got an Elvis Costello flipping out, watching Brian Wilson singing California Girls and God Only Knows sitting there with his band, with Darlene. You know, it was just it was just like one of those moments. And, and, oh, and that that's sounds just... like it. So I'm, I'm going to want to hear more about Little Kids Rock in sure. a minute. But let's start out with tell me 
how did you first discover Bruce? You've already covered, sounds like there was always music playing in your house. It was, you know, you, you played the piano, you were exploring a lot of different music, but how did you first discover Bruce? So I first discovered Bruce in 19, and this is some of my great regrets because I had a friend, I still have a friend, he lives in Israel, Jamie Halper. He's got the largest uh, English speaking bookstore in Tel Aviv. Okay. And Jamie, when we were, I'd say this is 16, 1976, would talk nonstop about this Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen. And, and quite frankly, most of us were into the Eagles, Tull, Kansas, yeah. Zeppelin, whatever. Giant Stadium had just opened. And, you know, I went to the first show there um, with the Eagles and, and Beach Boys and Steve Miller, who I wound up meeting this year at Little Kids Rock. Oh, nice. And, and, ha- and having a good conversation about that show. And, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And he would play Born to Run. And I'm like, this is really good stuff. But I don't know. I was into a lot of other stuff. I was acting. I was on the baseball team. I was in the school shows. Yeah. Never really just, I don't know. I was, I, I'm, I, these are such regrets because the shows that I probably could have seen in, in, instead of like the Dick Clark revival at the garden in, yeah. in 75, when I was 15, I could have gone to the bottom line. But then on my 16th birthday, one of my favorite bootlegs is from the Palladium, November 4th, 1976. Yeah. It's actually one of the first ones I ever had. Bruce opened up the show with uh, rendezvous. Okay. Um, it's just an amazing thing. And I started listening to that late in my senior year. And I was working at a summer camp and I met a guy there who was also very into Bruce Springsteen and darkness. This is a very funny story because that week darkness was coming out. I'm listening to WNEW FM, the big rock station in New York. And Vince Skelsis says, I don't know how this has happened, but we've got a copy of darkness on the edge of town. And they played it mm-hmm. now. Fast forward very quickly, 40 years later, my friend Rich Russo, the reason they played it is that Rich Russo and his father went to a record store in Elizabeth, New Jersey to buy Darkness, which was not out yet. Yeah. So they bought a Barbara Streisand record for their mother, and inside the sleeve was Darkness on the Edge of Town. And you can look it up that accidentally there was a print of about 100,000 of these records. And here oh, it is, funny. 40 years later, Rich Russo, who's now got a show on the Underground Garage, is yeah. you know, close with the Van Zant world. And he's telling me this story. But anyway, so I hear Darkness on the Edge of Town, and I'm, I'm just hooked. And I'm heading down for my summer registration at George Washington University, and I get tickets to the Capitol Center in August 1978. And, and literally by the third song of the night, Spirit in the Night, which was always the third song of the night, I was hooked. And I wow. was like, oh, my God. And I, and I had a floor seat, but that's when a floor seat was a seat. Yes. And, and you know, and he was next to me. And he was – it was – you know, there was my friend from uh, – who was at University of Maryland. His, his, his uh, friend of his, whose name is Sherry, was there. And she's dancing and wound up dancing with Sherry Darling years later on another story. Sure. But, so to answer your question, I learned about him in high school – I just was, I don't know, I, 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 I can't believe, I, I, I regret it because I have another friend, Steve Bumble, who had this huge, um, in, in Asbury Park, he's like a real historian and he had a kind of a little rock and roll museum and he yeah. was very into Bruce Springsteen, but it took me a while and, and finally in the summer of 78, 
I saw the uh, the first show, the Darkness show, and that was it. I just had, I was hooked. I had to yeah. go, and that's I became. I had to find, I had to make up for the lost time. So fortunately, Bleaker Bob's in the Village and plenty of other places. Uh, there were the availability to get all these bootlegs. So I had the main point. I had Roxy. I had, you know, I just had yeah. the Palladium, all of the shows on vinyl, um, even before I had them on cassette. Um, and, and, and that was it. I, I, you know, had the Springsteen poster on the wall and it just became a real big part of, uh, you know, of my life. Mitch, I do not think that the number of times you've seen Bruce is a fair barometer of your fandom. I always like to throw it out there because there are people based on circumstances that may have never seen him, but yet his music means the world to them. But I just agree. for context, how many times have you seen him? Well, I'm, I'm over 250 now. Okay. Um, and, and it's, you know, when I say it, like you said, in context, when I say that to some group of people, they're, they, they don't understand. In fact, the guy last night said to me, uh, actually it was a woman. His wife said, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. How do you see the same show every night? And then I get to give the whole explanation right. that prior to this tour. It's never been that way. Yes. Not that it's been exactly the same, but this is right. very unique. And then I have met people that are double, triple, right. you know, that I, I, I think it's really the numbers added up over these years because of living in New Jersey from, yes. you know, I lived in California. I lived, I went to school in DC, but since 1986, I've been back in this area. So if he's 10 nights at the garden, I probably went eight or nine. Yeah. All right. And tickets, quite frankly, weren't that expensive. Back in the day. Yes. Back in the day. All right. Relative right. To, 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 right. to whatever you were earning. Today, it's obviously, it's very expensive. I feel very bad for the fan that, you know, just getting one, first of all, getting a ticket in the New York area is nearly impossible. Right. I went online this morning. I got, it was very easy. I got tickets for Penn State. Um, I'm actually not going because my son's graduated Penn State, but my friend whose daughter's still there um, and he wanted to go. So I got, I got GAs like, you know, in two seconds. And I got GAs yesterday using the Ticketmaster app. Um, for the Baltimore show because my daughter's at University of Maryland okay. and I'll take her in April. But yeah, it's, it is overwhelming. I've never sat down and, and thought about the hours and maybe what else I could have been doing with my yeah. life. But to be perfectly frank, I don't have any regrets. None. You know, it was one of my first dates with my wife. Now I, I'm very patient that, you know, I have, I have a wife who um, puts up with this and, and as we joke, you know, somebody had to raise the kids while I saw all these shows. Um, <laughs> but I've raised two kids that like Bruce Springsteen. And, and I had the joy of being in the pit with my son in D.C. last weekend, whenever that was. And, was, you know, watching him singing every word and knowing everything and having taken him on the rising tour when he was nine. So at least he got to see Clarence. Those those That's things nice. are amazing to me. But they're. There are times, though, to be fair, I, I'm like, I'm in shock because I remember thinking of the Elvis fans as freaks. Right. And, and, and then I look at myself today. And again, you don't walk into my house and see Springsteen pictures and posters anywhere. You would if I lived on my own. 
but <laughs> you know they're there. But I, my obsessions in my heart. Yes, it really is. The music means that much to me. I can pretty much play every song on the piano. The joy I get sitting at the piano and playing New York City Serenade or Jungle Land. Um, you know, I always I've uh, tweeted to Roy many times. You ever get sick, dude? I'll probably be right down in the pit. You know, I'll come up. I can I can handle it. I can it. handle it, a little bit. It won't sound anything like you, but right. Bruce can get through the song. Um, I had the honor on my uh, 50th birthday. Um, we hired the B Street Band uh, to play locally because that's really all I wanted was something yeah. Springsteen related. Right. And um, I was unable to hire the E Street Band. Right. Um, I could have hired Max for the night, but I wanted the B Street Band. So, you know, I got up, I played with uh, with the band, and oh, I sang fun. "The Fever" to my wife, and and um, I played uh, the keyboard on "Jungle Land," and and I did the uh, harmonica on "Thunder Road" and "Promised Land." And, oh, nice! You know, those those moments, uh, as well as some acting I've done locally, where um, I did "Thunder Road" on stage once. So. You know, get it out there somehow. It it helps. It helps you get through the day. You know, life's exactly uh, life's a struggle. It always is. So, Mitch, what I find funny is, um, I have a lot of the same things where my different fandoms collide. Someone asked when the big Powerball lottery was happening, and right. my wife knew. She says, "Oh, we're going to every Bruce Springsteen show ever." Right. If you, it, I said, oh, absolutely. Someone asked me once as a Doctor Who fan, and I said, oh, I would use the charges to go to Bruce Springsteen shows. Absolutely. I mean, I, to see him in those small clubs in Houston before he hit it big, oh. to see him in Jersey, you know, because I, growing up in Louisiana, Houston was the closest. And I have that regret, even though I would have been underage. But to yeah. think that the 16 Jesse was only three hours away no. from this maybe 40 people in a club seeing Dude, them. How about being a half hour away? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, and I'm making up for it. I'm making up right. for it where I can. And, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Doctor Who. I, in my previous life, before I was in the money business, yeah. um, I worked at, uh, at WHYY, which is a public TV station. Right. Um, I actually worked with Terry Gross, who does one of the great podcasts out there, yeah. Fresh Air. And part of my job was to do, as we called them, the begathons. I and Doctor Who was huge. Sure. And I used to. I, I remember my Doctor Who powder blue t- uh, sweatshirt that I would wear. And um, if I remember, I'll send you a video that has me talking about Doctor Who. Oh, that'd Who. be awesome. Oh, that was the other thing. I, well, I didn't get really get to mention. You know, I'm, I'm doing this campaign. Um, I was Larry's producer on radio uh, back in the uh, early uh, '80s. And I had, and I've stayed in touch with him over the years. And oh, good. We had breakfast together a few weeks ago, and I did a little video. And in the video, Larry gives a pitch to Bruce directly to try to get an interview. Oh, so I'm in neat. the process of, for some reason, you know, when Larry was doing, was hot, Bruce was not doing the interviews. Right. But Larry has a show now on, uh, on Hulu and Aura TV. And yeah. so I did this little video with Larry, which oh, I actually I showed to um, uh, Steve Van Zandt. Yes. And he said, you know, he says, oh, you know, I've been on Larry. You mentioned the Powerball because, you know, we all played that game. What yeah. would we do? And other than probably give 80% of it away, one of the first things I would do would be to reach out through my connections to the band, actually probably to Bruce, 
and just say, Bruce, I want to give $100 million to whatever the most important cause in your life is. I only ask one thing. You come to my house. I invite 20, 25 of my closest friends. You bring the guitar. I'll sit at the piano. And we just have some fun for a few hours. And then I can die. Yeah, well, I said... (laughs) <laughs> I would go the same thing. I'd say, okay, you know, what charity would matter? And I would probably, I would be happy with Bruce, but I would love, you know, the band to perform the sea. But yes, that sounds beautiful. You've shared so many great stories, but you said uh, something about five or six years ago. Your fandom, you got a, either a closer connection or something. Can you I got share? Lucky. Okay, I got tell lucky, me the story. But, you know, I. The, I <sighs> When I talk about this, I like to tell people that you um, you have to make your own luck in life, right. right? Nobody gives you anything. I've worked hard to be successful in my career as a financial advisor over the years, but that's because I worked really hard, especially in my first 10 or 15 years. And then when you have rough markets like we have now, you really yeah. have to earn it. But um, I've always tried to put myself out there in a variety of different ways. I was, you know, I had a financial radio show in the nineties in New York, and I've done a lot of local TV here on the business side of my life, right. um, though I would prefer the Bruce side. Fortunately, I was on when East street radio first came out, Dave Marsh got wind of blog that I was involved in somehow. And I got invited on the show very early on. So I made a few appearances on Dave Marsh's show. I was on with Jim Rotolo a few Friday nights, mostly through some, you know, through Chris Phillips and Flynn and some of the guys at Backstreet's um, to do a year in review about Bruce. So that just happened out of nowhere, but it happened through my own hard work and sort of connected some dots. Then about four years ago, um, I guess in the spring of maybe uh, 2012 or something, I read I followed Maureen Van Zandt and you know, everybody else, like, you know, just seeing sure. what's going on. And she mentioned this organization called Little Kids Rock. Basically, what the organization is, is they, after Bush's No Child Left Behind policy, took music education out of classrooms all over urban America, pretty much. This particular group was started by a really smart guy, Dave Wish, out in California. They were raising money to help bring music in the classroom through a program that he developed, which was teaching kids not the theory of music, but you know what? You're 11. You want to play a Taylor Swift song? We're going to teach you that. Or you're you're into Jay-Z? We're going to play Jay-Z. Whatever it is, that's it. And then through the connections, Gibson would be donating and Yamaha would be donating and all of these things. So there was going to be an event uh, at the Hammerstein Theater um, and I got a table, brought a bunch of clients because they were honoring Stephen Van Zant that night. And I'm like, they're okay. honoring Stephen. Yes. There's going to be something special. Right. Basically that night, I wish it was a year later than I would have been really on the inside for the event. Bruce came and Bruce, you know, sitting three tables in front of me and Bruce is on stage with uh, Southside and, and John and Stephen doing their three songs together Elvis sang um, Love on the Wrong Side of Town. It was just a terrific, terrific night. But I met the guy who ran the organization, and we got talking, and he said, you know, I'm looking for people in the financial industry to be involved on our New York advisory board. Would you be interested? I said, absolutely. I didn't know where it would take me. I was, you know, always thinking, well, it could be good for business, but maybe it'd be good for my Bruce 
obsession. Who knows? And, and also, I won't put words in your mouth. It's a good cause. It's a really I good mean, cause. I mean, someone who has had music has been such a major part of your life and you know how much it's added to your life not right. just in i i know there's studies that show arts and music classes actually help people do better in school it is a vital part of an education it is it is and i'm i've been fortunate in my final year now in my second term i'm an elected board of education member in the town i live in in westfield new jersey yeah. so i i've been able to give back in that way but i've also really had a much better understanding about the whole public education system and what how that works so it tied beautifully into things that were i was really passionate sure. about and then because of that, I met Maureen. I met to a bunch of different events. There isn't a nicer person in rock and roll, in my view, than Stephen and Maureen Van Zandt. I can't say enough about them, what they've done for that organization. They're involved in other organizations, which I've, I've been involved in, too. Through that organization, met other people. And that, I mean, I haven't not, uh, I, I always describe it like there's probably this, there's this core and satellite approach that, you know, in the Bruce world, there's the core, there's right. the, and you know, the insiders and everything. Right. I'll never be anywhere near that or even maybe dip my feet in. But, you know, I've been fortunate to kind of been this little satellite over the last few years where I have been fortunate to go to certain events. I don't get any information firsthand that I can do anything with. I don't get free tickets. Just for the record, the, the show, I've been at five shows of the first seven. I've been in the pit, four of them. I've bought every one of those. Um, and two of them, I made donations to Steve Van Zandt's foundation, which got me those. Okay, right. And anybody can do that. I'm fortunate yes. that I'm able to do that. And, right. I re- and I realize how lucky I am. But getting involved through that community has been a blessing. The, the millions of kids that have been helped through Little Kids Rock, go to these sessions and you watch a Steven or uh, you know any of these other artists that have come and helped out and you see the teachers getting trained. And now these kids really learning how to play music. I mean, that's when my daughter started playing the guitar, she's 18. You know, she that's what, how she wanted to learn. And we got a guitar teacher to teach her the music she wanted. Now, I insisted that Waiting on a Sunny Day, even though it's not my favorite Bruce song, I thought yeah. that'd be an easy one for her to learn. Um, that that be one of the first songs. Kids today love music and they all does every, you know, every kid deserves the right to rock. I mean, Absolutely. that's just the truth. Yeah. And, and I love that I've been able to be part of that and help in, in some way, you know, shape yeah. or form. And if it's added to my Bruce Springsteen life over the last four years in some special shows that I've been at, all the better. Yeah. And I do think that I believe in karma and I believe in fate. And I do believe that good things happen to you because not that your heart is pure, but your intentions are good. And this is a a lovely side benefit of what you're trying to do to help people. Thanks. But you would have been happy to do either way. One of the things that I try to help financially with is because I have the same kids, kids need to read, which is giving books to libraries and such. And so I'm right there with you about trying to give back and doing things. I will make sure the link to Little Kids Rock is on the uh, show notes. 
Great, great. And yeah. I would also add the Rock and Roll Forever Foundation, which is teach, I think it's teachrock.org okay. um, as well. It's also an excellent, excellent organization. Um, in fact, Stephen and Maureen, I know are also very involved in redoing the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, which is, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Bruce has a solo show later in the year there um, when he does a solo tour. But um, I, I, I think it's important. You know, I think it's great to give back. And, and if you can combine it with your passions, I mean, that's, I, some of my friends will say, Mitch, when do you sleep? I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm trying, the older I get, and you appreciate this, you care more about your legacy. You care more about the things that you're passionate about. I mean, for me, family first, it's yes. always been that way. My, I'm very fortunate to, you know, have a wonderful family. I have an 89-year-old mom who um, I took to her first Bruce show a few years ago, Prudential Center. Yeah. Um, you know, she really wanted to go, and, and, and I wrote a blog about that. I can send you a link for that. Oh, please do. And I, I admire people that are doing what you're doing on a consistent basis, you know, the, whether it's the great stuff that Chris does at Backstreet's or, 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 or your blog or blog it all night, all these things that are out there. Yeah. But because I keep thinking, oh, my God, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. But um, I know how much hard work it is and time and, and, and dedication. So it's thank you, Mitch. It's great. And the fans love it. And that's that's my biggest issue with East Street Radio. Okay. I mean, I like. I'm ready for a Mitch tutorial. Yeah. I mean, I, I've tried, guys. I mean, I've certainly approached Dave. I've approached Jim. I've come up with lots of show ideas. I know it's all about the music, and I think that's just fantastic. But they need to do more with the fans. Whether that'll happen one day, I don't know. Whether one of us will create our own channel to do that. Right. I just, I really wish they did more with the fans. I just interviewed JB and Rob, and they have just started a Bruce Springsteen Scenes the Alphabet podcast. <laughs> they borrowed this from a Beatles podcast where they're going through the whole Beatles catalog, starting at A all the way to Z. Rob reached out to him and said, would you mind if I borrowed that format for Bruce Springsteen? And the guy said two things. Yes, but two things. One, give us a shout out every once in a while that you got the idea from us and two you got to finish right if you're gonna start we need you to go zero um, blind terry there, there's z <laughs> right that's exactly what they they talked about the atlantic um, city to zero and blind terry Here well we and they did they did alphanumeric 57 channels no. yeah well they've already done that yes and but he was talking about the reason he started this is he said I wanted there to be more people talking about Bruce's music. I said, this is exactly why I started this. Lynette Corella had, or she was talking to different fans, but she doesn't do it on a consistent basis. And I said, it would be fun to talk to different fans. Their first episode was 30 Days Out. Mm -hmm. That was the first one. I grew up in the South. One of the worst insults you can give someone is he forgot where he came from. Right. He doesn't remember his raising. And Bruce remembers where he came from. Every, every single day of his life he does. And yeah. the fact that two weeks ago a friend of mine, I mean, it's been a mild winter, but a fairly cold day, is yeah. standing there at the Manasquan Inlet. And he's just sort of hanging out, ready to go out to dinner. And this is around 6.30 on a Saturday night. It was in 
December, and it was right after the tickets went on sale for the first right. leg of the tour, and this guy got shut out. And you may have seen the story, but uh, you know, and literally, Bruce drives by and as, as he does all the time on his Harley. He loves to take rides. Uh, there's a path there, and he sees the guy, and the guy stops, and 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 the guy's like. You know, and it was he wasn't even like blown away. It's Bruce. Well, here's yeah. Bruce. And they just chat. Yeah. And, you know, the guy says to Bruce, he says, you know, I spent all day yesterday. I had 40 computers going. I got shut out. And Bruce says, sucks for you. Good for me. And, of course, Bruce says, give me your number. And, you know, and the guy got great seats. But th- th- this happens every single day. You know, whether right. he was trick-or-treating with his friends, whether he was hanging out Halloween, going to people's houses, um, he is, you know, the expression man of the people and yeah. it's overused, but he, he is. And when people get upset about his politics or people think he don't, he doesn't, doesn't support the police or he doesn't support this, they have no idea because the majority of what Bruce supports, he does anonymously. He doesn't need to, to put everything out there, but he is, he's a, he's a good guy. I'm not saying he's perfect i mean he's he definitely has warts like all of us and has made mistakes and when you read the books on bruce you understand some of the 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 hardness that uh his father went through you know uh, the whole story dad as a young child taking care of the the younger sister and she gets run over by a car and like dies right in front of him i mean that stays with a family forever right uh, Mitch, I've already kept you a long time, but before we go, I wonder what are your thoughts on the latest tour? So you've seen seven of the nine shows. What are you thinking? Well, I'll start with the positives. Um, the energy level from, you know, meet me in the city in Pittsburgh to uh, shout in uh, Boston the other night um, has just been consistent. I mean, the band is, is sounding as great as ever. Um, there's no problems. They're gelling. I mean, you know, of course every now and then a song, you know, restarts, no surrender, whatever, you know, a couple things here and there, but you know, the shows themselves for the fans that have never seen Bruce Springsteen at all, it's a phenomenal treat. I mean, I felt so lucky in November of 09 to be at the garden for the first time he ever played the river. Uh, I was literally standing next to our governor um, that night who I liked at the time. I don't so much lately, but anyway, (laughs) it was something special. And I, so I think the shows are great. Um, I think the energy level is great. So I want to pause you there. Uh, I was at Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be at Louisville. And then I ended up getting tickets to Dallas, of course, since I'm here. And then I'm going up to Oklahoma City, taking my 27-year-old to his first Bruce uh, show. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, that is exciting. I will, yes. I felt there was such a joy at the band at Pittsburgh, not to get too sentimental, but it almost felt like they're self-aware. We can only do this so much. The road in front of us yeah. is much shorter than the road behind oh, us. Oh, and they are. And, and I and – I, about three weeks before the tour was announced, I was at a private event with Max Weinberg and had an mm-hmm. opportunity to chat with him for a while. And um, I can tell you from Max's perspective, you are absolutely correct that they are so happy to be out there and have the ability. And, you know, I mean, come on, the first couple shows, David Bowie dies, Glenn Fry dies. Yeah. 
they watch this and they see that, you know, they see these things. And so they are happy. And then to the thing that I, I guess I love the most, and it's mostly because I've really gotten to know Jake, a good friend of mine has been friends with Jake for years. And there is no more soulful, joyous man on that stage every night Mm -hmm. than Jake Clemens, a very talented musician on his own. If you don't have his record, get it. Listen okay. to it. Saw all his solo shows he did. Did a living room show with him. I mean, the guy. The guy's just a phenomenal young man. Okay. okay, let's just put it out there. But the joy every night that you could see Bruce and Jake and Stevie, especially the three of them combining there, is just getting happier and happier. And I think by the time he comes rolling through Dallas, Oklahoma, Louisville, it just continues to get better. And I. You know, I'm right. always asked, Mitch, is what's the be- what was the best show so far? And it's like, you know, it's which kid do I love better? I mean, it's it's yeah. not fair. Now, yes, getting roulette, um, what was it, Friday night and Thursday yeah. night in Boston? Fantastic. Exciting. Now, I wasn't in the pit two feet away, so, you know, I can complain and like, oh, you know, look at me. I, I wasn't there. Yeah. But as a show, I thought musically that was a very, very good show. I yeah. just think they're going to keep getting better. My wish, my hope, is that they keep to their word in their original announcement and play more of the outtakes because that's, yeah. I think, what will differentiate the rest of this tour from, you know, it's not stale or anything like that. Give me roulette. Give me loose ends. Give me where the bands are. Give me party lights. Give me all of these wonderful songs. But let's, let's hear them. Let's yeah. give them a shot. I mean, White Lightning, yeah. I think, is, is, a, is a really interesting song. Throw that out there. I think part of the problem is the band hasn't had enough time to rehearse them. I know they are working on them on sound checks. They've sound checked you know, a few of these. They sound checked Spirit of the Night the, uh, the other night, and um, that'll probably come back into the set. I'm really excited to see where this is. By the time I see him, I mean, Philly will be fun next Friday. Philly shows are great. I, I had right. to take a break and give up Albany and Hartford this week. I got I got to show up at my day job, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see where it's going to go towards the end of the tour when I'm in. L- I'm going to hit an LA show and then finish up in Brooklyn. We'll see where it is by then, and then obviously yeah. Europe's going to get some combination of all of this. Right. And then rumor has it I have, don't have this official at all, but I think there will be eight to ten stadium shows late august early september and i would imagine those shows will be more of the all audible nights um that okay. us insane fans really really love um before yeah. that solo album which by the way i hear that solo album is incredible i know a few people yeah. that played on it um it's mm. very americana it's not exactly seeger session okay. but i hear it, there's some just beautiful beautiful songs i haven't heard them I can't wait to to see what what shows up and uh, hopefully the rumors of him playing like Radio City for six nights and some other places like that um, this fall will be true. Kind of all depends on how Jessica does in the Olympics, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Got to be a pr- as a proud father. I have a theory he's ready to be a grandfather, too. That's why he <laughs> loves interacting with the kids. Well, I, I it's funny you mentioned that at the when I was at the Atlanta show a few years ago. Uh, at the Atlanta, at the amphitheater show. Um, yeah. I was in the pit and this young woman comes up to me. She's sitting on stage and I don't see who she's with. And she says, give me a favor. 
cans me your iPhone. You take a picture of me and my boyfriend. And I look and I realize, okay, that's Sam Springsteen. I take the picture and I said, you're dating Sam Springsteen. She goes, no, I had no idea. You know, she was very funny. Yeah. And yeah. we developed this little funny little friendship via Instagram and social media. Yeah. And the other night at the Prudential Center, I get this tap on my shoulder. It was Emily who uh, – uh, I don't honestly know if they're even still dating. Some say they aren't. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really care. It's not my business. Yeah. But we had a fun conversation. And I, have, of course, asked her the question, did you call him Bruce? Did you call him Mr. Springsteen? And no, yeah. I called him Bruce. And then she told me how the first time she brought Sam to her house, her mom's a big fan. And they took everything yeah. off the walls because they didn't want you know anybody to worry. Right. Um, so – I'm sure he's going to be a great grandfather one day. I would imagine probably Jessica will get married first, but will be great. And I hope we're all lucky enough 10 years ago to still be talking about the shows and Absolutely. Um, whatever version of Bruce and the band that can play, get out right. there. If you can't, if you can try to get a ticket, get there somehow this year. And like you said you're doing, take your kids. You said the good first. Is there something um, not as good about the tour that you want to talk about? Or Well, it's not, you know, it. I mean, it's not not as good. But, I mean, let's face it, when you know the first 23 songs of the night, that changes the outlook. But it changes the outlook for the, the, the nutty little fans like us that have yeah. seen them so many times. And I think it's important that people – Try not to let that bother them and really rejoice in hearing a song like The Price You Pay, which wasn't played for 28 years. Yeah, and I do think – And Point Blank, by the way, yeah. which is one of my favorite songs. There are probably okay. three or four, but Point Blank has always been a favorite. Probably yeah. from the first time I heard The Winterland on red vinyl when I my freshman year at GW and listening yeah. to – but this is before The River, three years before – and listening yeah. to The Winterland show and him playing Point Blank – and with very different lyrics, um, Friday night was the first time we actually got Bang Bang Baby You're Dead, which was very interesting that was not in it before. But I felt like they went back and they rehearsed something because Roy, and who's I'm such a Roy fan as a keyboard player, he yeah. delivered that point blank intro that they used to do um, at Friday night show. So uh, if you can get when they, the download on that one. Um, yeah. that's what makes it exciting. You know, let's, let's, you know, liven up some of these, some of these shows, um, you know, by doing something a little bit different every night, but I would never say it's not good. Um, I, I it's just different. That's all. Yeah. And I, I do think. And grateful. Of... And we should all be oh. so grateful that the, I mean, this was not scheduled. Trust me. Right. I, the, you know, my insiders knew nothing of this. There was not right. going to be a tour. Bruce and Landau, Bruce went to Landau in October or November and said, you know what? Let's go out on the road. Let's do this. I mean, this was yeah. not planned. There were supposed to be yeah. solo shows going on right now. And I love this. I love the perspective. I've said this several times that a 66-year-old man is looking back from that side of the street to these songs he wrote as a in his late 20s, early 30s. Independence Day, you're seeing the other side of it. Right. He is, and I think that is really powerful. Any, you mentioned Point Blank, any other songs that mean a great deal to you? Well, The Fever has always been my favorite song. 
It, okay. it really, really has. You know, unfortunately, it's not a it's not a song you hear much. I heard did yeah. get it in Philly a few years back, um, mm. and and I think that's really because that was played at my first show, um, and that okay. meant a great deal to me. And as I was working at a radio station. DC 101 in Washington, interning for Howard Stern, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to cover a show in Hampton, Virginia in 1981, which was the first, the second leg of the River Tour, the first show. And, and, and a lot of the songs from that night have meant a great deal to me. And The Fever was played that night. Um, this Land is Your Land was the, was the first time he played it that night. Nothing makes me smile more than the first few notes on the harmonica of Thunder Road. I mean, it just doesn't. It is what it is. I love Darkness. Probably, gun to my head, Darkness is my favorite album and will always be my favorite album. Uh, I I just, the beginning of the harmonica on Thunder Road is just so meaningful. Um, As I said, the fever, point blank is, is, you know. And and, and when, when when you get the opportunity to hear the rarities that don't get played. Um, and that was what was so much fun. I mean, my God, when he played Bishop Dance at Prudential Center in 2012, right. and he was laughing because he knew half the crowd didn't know what he was talking about. Right. I almost, I almost, I, I collapsed with excitement because like when, you and I talked about, yeah. we weren't there for the thundercrack. I could have been, but I wasn't there yeah. for the thundercrack. So when I went to all the Christmas shows in, in the 90s in Asbury Park, yeah. And he was playing Thundercrack and, and, you know, Seaside Bar Song and things yeah. like that. What a treat. What a treat. You know, um, I was at the Houston show in 2014, and he played All or Nothing at All um, and was joking about it. It's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. And a sign request was one step up. You know, I was like, this is so cool that we're getting these. Anything you haven't heard live that you wanted to hear? I think it's going to be that's going to be pretty rare, right? Well, it's got it's certainly gotten rare. Um, I've only heard "Blinded" maybe two or three times. Um, okay. I would really like to hear another full bird. Just what they the way they did "Kitty's Back" and they kept playing, which I I love over and over. And yeah. and I was there the night you know they inducted the E Street Band. I would love to see Blinded um, rearranged and, and played. I just think there's some really interesting stuff in, in that song that I, I think would be fun to hear more of. But for me, it's at this point, it's, it's you know, you name it, those outtakes, you know, maybe even some from The Promise that, you know, like City of Night. Eddie Mannion did a great version on his new solo record of City of Night. But uh, I, I'd really like to hear Party Lights, and I'm look, anxious to hear yeah. that. I really wanted to hear "Ain't Good Enough," you know. From yeah, that was that fun. About the really last fun. couple of Mohegan shows were very cool yeah. because you got a lot right. of those. Um, I'm actually not sure if I've ever heard him play "Ain't Got You." I went to a number of shows on the Tunnel Love Tour, and that was very rarely yeah. played. Oh, I know, I know what I'd like to hear. I have only I heard it on the Tunnel Love Tour once, but I would love "I'm a Coward" to come back. Oh yeah, that'd be good. The whole story. Cool. It's just, you know, it's all about stories and that's what, that's what this is about, right? We're telling stories and the stories that Bruce would tell, you know, not just the, the, the spirit of the night and the racing in the street and, and all those fantastic stories, but even the little stories that, you know, he would tell about the smaller songs, um, you know, the, the the Nebraska stuff. 
Um, I would have no problem with the Nebraska tour. I really could go out yeah. and play the whole album by himself. I loved the Devils and Dust tour. That was just, so you know, I. that was wonderful. The, the, that was the, the second show I'd gone to. The treats that we got every night. And I yeah. was at the final night. He played this beat-up old hockey arena in Trenton, New Jersey, Sovereign Bank. And he had, it was, uh, he had a whole family on stage. You know, it was like did Santa Claus at the end. And he did a bunch of just, you know, really, really wonderful, wonderful little songs. And, and that's, you know, that's special. Now, if you ask yeah. me the most frustrating tour, I'm, I, it's going to just going to be Tom Jode still. I mean, I, yeah. and I, you know, I'm, I'm a little mad at myself. I feel like I was probably too critical, but I think yeah. Bruce was in a very difficult, difficult place during those years. So when I'm at the state theater in Trenton sitting, you know, it's just a theater and I'm sitting in the fifth row yeah. and he's yelling at the audience most of the night. That yeah. was tough. That was tough in retrospect. I, you know, I've listened back to that show. They're amazing stuff. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to be Bruce Springsteen. I'll never know what it's like to be in no. that head and, and live the life he lives. I'm just yeah. grateful. You know, people talk about how, oh, I'm so grateful that I lived in the generation of Mozart or, or whatever. And, and, you know, yeah. when it comes to music, at the end of the day, the fact that I've lived in this generation when I've been able to see Freddie Mercury play you know, when I was, you know, in my 20s, when I saw The Who in their prime, um, when I got to see McCartney, you know, um, do some amazing shows. Uh, I saw Billy Joel at a small club. Um, right. And then, of course, all of the Bruce and, you know, stuff there. Um, yeah. I, I feel fortunate. It's been a great time for music. I'm going to be the guy in the room that's going to say it was better in the 70s overall. Yeah. But um, and that's what I love about Underground Garage. And that's what's so cool yeah. about what Steven does on that channel um, is, is really introduce people to that. And and um, and that that's kind of what was fun with we had Joan Jett at our event um, two years ago and, and who's a sweetheart, by the way, just so nice. I imagine. And, um, you know, having Joan Jett on stage with Alice Cooper and and uh, Billy Joe from Green Day doing stuff and and playing a lot of 70s music and. I don't know. I never get sick of it. And that's why the Glenn Fry thing is just so sad. You know, um, Bowie too, obviously. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, we, I did a, a Bowie tribute and we did a Glenn Fry tribute. And I talked about, I understand David Bowie's greatness and I certainly understand his influence. But as a child of the 70s, you know, you were either, you're either a Fleetwood Mac guy or an Eagles guy, though you liked both. And I was an Eagles guy and they were the soundtrack of my high school. And to hear losing him really hurt. Yeah, it really did. It really did. Um, uh, yeah. it, it, it just really did. And, and unfortunately, and this is part of life. And, you know, I learned this when I lost my dad six years ago. Uh, yeah. seven years ago now is and bruce talks about it is life is very finite and you, you just have to enjoy every moment um because you just don't know what the next one's going to be and as i guess i'd leave you with warren zevon's quote is enjoy every sandwich yeah absolutely um mitch how can people find you oh i'm one of the easiest people in the world to find <laughs> <laughs> just just ask my friends. They they see way too much of me. But you can find me on Twitter at MP Slater. 
Um, and, and, and I primarily tweet about Bruce. I do tweet a little bit about some local board of education issues here and there. Uh, I talk about social media. I do talk about the markets in general, but I'm not really allowed as a financial advisor right. to do that. So it's very generic. Um, they can find me on Facebook. People all over the world have, I'll take them as a friend. I love Absolutely. sharing the information there. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I do throw some Bruce stuff on, on LinkedIn every now and then too. Okay. You know, so, uh, you know, feel free to find me in any of those places and reach out. And, and if you see me at a show, it's, 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 it's a little weird. And, and my son was kind of freaked out the other night in DC when these total strangers come up to me and say, you're Mitch Slater, you're MP Slater. It's, but it's not weird to me. To me, it's just another fan. And I Absolutely. think it's great. And I'm one of many. And as I said, as I learned from my friend Vincenzo who lives in Barcelona, that, you know, I'm one of many all over the world. It's a, it's a, it's a club I'm proud to be part of. And, and Bruce is, uh, he's a, you know, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a good role model. The music speaks for itself. And, uh, I hope we're all lucky to see as many shows as we can and, and enjoy it and, and bring it down to the next generation. Absolutely. And if you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, please send us an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter account, setlustingbruce. Uh, Jesse Jackson in Louisville, Texas is my personal Facebook. And we'd appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. It helps people find us. Mitch, this has been a blast. It's been great. Um, what a great way to spend a Saturday morning talking about you know, absolutely. my favorite things. Uh, a, I'm very excited. to. I've been going back and listening to some of your previous shows and, and really, really enjoying it. And, well, thank and you. And certainly we'll be spreading spreading the word. And, uh, good. You're, you're, doing, you're doing good work, man. I mean, this is – Thank you. It's, it's good stuff. Um, and clearly you're passionate about it. And that's I do. Matters. I love it. So we're going to close with, well, now you are my sun in the morning and my moon at night. I think about you, baby. I feel all right. Now my days grow longer because my love grows stronger and the fever gets worse. And I've got the fever for this girl. Well, thanks, everyone. Bye. Uh, thank you. You're walking in the sun. It's funny. I um I used to work out in the same gym, and I'd, I'd see Roger Staubach all the time oh, in yeah? Short Hills, not far from me, because he had a business um, interest there. Yeah. And he was there like maybe once a month. And I remember the first time seeing him and, you know, nobody recognized him. Nobody's time. Yeah. I'm, I just couldn't shut up. I was yeah. like, you know, because well, as a kid, you know, even though I grew up a giant fan, I love Staubach. I mean, well, he was just such a class. He's Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you how do you not, you know, have such respect for him and everything? Yeah. So. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.